With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to a live episode of the Claret and Blue podcast. I'm Dan Robinson. I'm joined by Matt Kendrick, returning from his holiday, and James Austin, joining me on his day off as well. <laughs> uh, we both get a text from Matt saying, breaking news, Jack Grealish called up to the England squad. Shall we do a quick podcast about it? So you can forget the episode that we did last week, outraged at the fact that he's not in the squad, because now he is in the squad, so happy days. Yeah, Can't completely disregard him. I'm going to put a... Yeah, I'm going to put a quick cliff. This was me and Ash last week when the news was announced that Jack wasn't in the squad for some reason. Total shock, to be fair to you. I don't know, don't know how all the fans are feeling about that. I mean, there's a lot of comments in here that we usually put comments up on screen, but um, there's a lot of swear words that I can't put on, on screen. Gareth Southgate is XYZ is a, is a lot of the, the comments. So I'm not going to put them up on screen, but the, the general consensus is, like, like us, disbelief. And just for continuity purposes, I've worn the same jacket because I've not really taken it off since buying it. So that looks good, doesn't it? Extremely hygienic. <laughs> nice, what, nice what? hat that is. It is, yeah. It looks a bit odd, doesn't it? Like I said, I look a bit chubby, so um, I just want to wear my England cap. But, um, what, um, before we go on to Jack Grealish, what are those? What, what are those? What's the new range of uh, Aston Villa leisure wear like, gents? Yeah, it's nice. I've, like I said, I've worn mine a few times at this point. It's a uh, nice material, nice rubber badge. I've, I'm a bit disappointed that you've got not got the new Kappa slash Kazoo memo, though, in your Adidas tracksuit. Yeah, sorry. I just, is it roomy enough for the, you know, for the, the big move demand? Yes, yeah, it's, it's quite yeah, good. It's I've, gone for a, I've gone for a large and there's a bit of, bit of wiggle room, so yeah, it's decent. Yeah, I'm going for my, my old, my old um, retro Adidas, I'm afraid, mate. I'll, I'll get on it. I'll get on it eventually. Anyway, so, Jack really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so obviously, I, I feel like, I mean, you know, as well, you know, this scene out of Men in Black when they get the flashing thing into white people's memories. Everyone who's watched this, who watched the last episode when I sat here for 20 minutes raving at the fact that Grealish wasn't in the squad, forget everything I said about, about that, it's totally irrelevant now. But I feel like I've kind of covered this topic to a degree. He should have been in the squad, so he is, he is in there now. I feel like he should have been in there regardless. He shouldn't need somebody to drop out of the squad for him to get into the squad in the first place. So what, what do you two think about it? First of all, the, the news last week, whenever it was, that he wasn't in the squad. How annoyed were you back then? Well, I'd say, first of all, don't don't apologise for um, your rant last week. That might have had the casting vote. You know, might have been, <laughs> Mr Southgate might have, um, might have listened in and watched in and thought, actually, you know, that Rollinson, he might wear the same clothes every single day. Yeah. <laughs> He's clearly, he's clearly not seen much of Jack Grealish, has he? Previously, if it's taken this, if it's taken the withdrawals of who we said Marcus Rashford and, and Harry Winks have dropped out, if it's taken yeah. the rurals to to get him in. Um, I mean, he should have been in there over Winks anyway, shouldn't he? Let's yeah. be honest. He should have been. He should have been in there because he just offers something. He offers something different, and I think the challenge now. I mean, obviously. Gareth Southgate has been battered into submission by a, a lot of angry Villa fans with pitchforks gathering outside his mansion. 
or he's finally realised um, what the rest of the country and what what the rest of it's not just been Villa, Villa fans who have clamoured for this. You know, a lot of kind of independent pundits have also been scratching their heads, wondering yeah. why it's not been in there. What it does mean now is that Southgate. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean Jack Grealish is going to win an England cap, or even you know, even you know, get involved at all. But it means that, that Southgate's got to think about the best play, the the best way of of, of, of playing Jack Grealish. Yeah. What do you think, Jack? You're, Jack, you're not Jack. You're you're James. <laughs> It'd be nice to have Jack on for an exclusive comment about his caller, but unfortunately, he wasn't available for Facebook Live. No, no, not today. He's got uh, pressing issues, and that's tuning up uh, with the England squad. Um, I kind of kind of turned to terms of it after a bit. It was really annoying on the day because I was like glued to kind of talks for waiting for the announcement because you know you knew he was. It's like when Villa got promoted. I, I swear the first squad after our promotion, I knew, I just knew he was going to get called up, and he, he didn't. And then he didn't again and again and again. And I thought this one has got to be. There is absolutely no way Southgate can ignore him again, and he did. And I suppose he has his reasons. I saw conversations about. You know, the, the problem in England always had with fitting in so many individuals and so many brilliant players and not these, like, quote-unquote box tickers like Owen Hargreaves. Uh, but that's a problem of decades ago. That's a golden generation problem. We've so far gone past that now. I, I couldn't see why you wouldn't include Grealish as even a reserve option. I mean... I mean, I, I like Phil Foden. I like the players that uh, were named in competition with him, like Rashford and um, Greenwood. But for me, it's Jack Grealish. I'm a Villa fan, and I felt really sad on the day that we, we learned that he wasn't called up. And I'm buzzing now for him, uh, but time to get the job done. This is only off the job. Yeah, I said when we did our episode with Ash that even though you don't, you know, we don't, it doesn't affect us, does it, either way, whether he's in the squad or not. I think you and me talked about this, Matt, in the one that we did at my house, that it'd be nice to see him go on and progress with England, but ultimately it doesn't really matter, does it? So on the flip side of that, when he wasn't in the squad, it, it doesn't affect any of us, but you still sit there and you do feel annoyed and you feel kind of sad for him. So now on the flip side of that, you feel proud of him, you feel happy of him, happy for him, even though, like I said, it doesn't affect any of us. We don't know him personally, but it's just nice to see one of our own in amongst the elite, isn't it? He ain't got a bit more. Kids have been on his family trampoline. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good we're gonna, point. We're going to drop some names. Um, <laughs> can I throw a negative in? Um, oh, do you have to? Well, I am because... It's going to be a rubbish negative here. We go, it's going to be a crap negative. It's going to be a very valid negative. It's going to have a, a really crap um, simile as part of it, but it's going to be... <laughs> it's not going to be a rubbish negative. Right. Do we even want him playing for England? <laughs> what? <laughs> what you want to play, man? Because you know, and here's the here's the rubbish simile. England squads have had more turned heads than an owl sanctuary um, in recent years because we've had Gareth Barry, Ashley Young. Is that just the consequence of good players, though? Is it really anything to do with getting called up to an England squad? I don't know. Be you say that, but how soon did these players leave? You know, are you, are you are you saying that Jack Grealish has only been called up today because he's about to for Man United as well? <laughs> I'd have put that, that probably would have been a conspiracy theory if Rashford was still there to do the head for <laughs> um, But it's that, isn't it? You know, I suppose with Jack Grealish, he probably couldn't have got any bigger profile than he is anyway. So, but I just think it is that it is that worry, isn't it? That as soon as people. No, I think there's still some people, Gareth Southgate amongst them until half an hour ago, who didn't quite realise what a player Jack Grealish was. 
even when you know the first criticism was, yeah, that's okay, him doing it in the championship when he's like a 15-year-old kid playing with a bunch of eight-year-olds. Is that much better than the rest of the championship? Can he do it in the Premier League? Oh, even when he's done it in the Premier League, I don't think people have quite grasped how good he is. But if he can start doing this, tearing it up on the international stage, all of a sudden you're thinking... Oh God, the cat's out of the bag. People realise actually how good he is. So that's my concern. That I don't think his head will get turned, but I think I think the rest of the world will take proper notice of him. The other concern is Jack Grealish. For most of the last few seasons, has been out of action with with injuries for you know a while, a month or more, and I just think you know. His shoulders are already hurting from carrying Aston Villa for for the last the last couple of seasons. Do we want to place him at risk? <laughs> you know, can you turn off those notifications, please. Say it again. Is it May still? It's, 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 it's pinging. It's really odd. This is a podcast, <laughs> mate. It's really odd. You've got your standards. No, that's yeah. all my. Um, it's all my two weeks off. And now he comes off buzzing on the podcast. That's all my family <laughs> friends and um, fellow trampoliners telling me I'm speaking rubbish. <laughs> well, oh, someone who says you are speaking rubbish is Patrick Svensson. He says Barry was close to the England squad for ages. Not the same thing, really. So that's okay. Totally okay, we'll take Barry out of the way, Patrick. Can we have the same argument for Stuart Jet Downing, for James Milner, for Ashley Young, <laughs> uh, and for all the other players who have departed <laughs> northwest of the M6 probably within a year of getting England calls up, call up for Aston Villa? I suppose he's already got those receipts, weren't he? Like he was all he was ready for that, Matt was. I'm telling you. I suppose the argument for that, though, is that Jack Grealish has been linked with a move away regardless of his England call up. He's been linked with an £80 million move to Man United regardless of that. Listen, I'm delighted that Jack Grealish is going to be playing for for England. And like you say, if he was going to move to one of the, the big powerhouse clubs, we did this, we've done this ad nauseum in previous podcasts saying a lot of factors need to be met. Basically, the buying club needs to value more, value Jack Grealish more than the selling club, which, you know, I suppose if anything, Jack Grealish now getting an England call up means Villa can add another 10 million onto his. Um, Onto his asking price anyway, so I'm only playing devil's advocate. I'm delighted. Okay. That he, I'm delighted that he's in the squad. We've been clamouring for it for for so long, and it excites me to see what he can do for for that England team. But this is the question, I suppose. Do, do we think we'll even see him play? Will he get? Will he even get any minutes, James? We won't see him play, mate. The fans won't be allowed in, but we might see. Um, <laughs> we might see it on the television. I think so. Now, I think. Um, I don't think he'll, he'll be starting, but I think we might see 10 or 15 minute cameo from him. Uh, and I suppose, you know, I know, I know Jack, did, did Jack like, did, how did Jack react last week? Did he like a tweet or something? With yeah, somebody? yeah, I think he's so. Like that decision. He's going to have to, not, not that he lacks confidence anyway, but he's going to have to turn up and, and, and deliver the goods, isn't he? And, you know, Southgate knows him anyway. Um, I know Southgate's been reluctant to pick him, but he, he, he's, He's trained alongside and played for Southgate uh, on under-21 duty. So he's going to know what he's getting. I think he'll be involved. I think he'll be involved for, for a short amount of time. How are you, James? Yeah, I think the same. I'll just go back to kind of the reason he weren't picked in the first place. It seems hard to not pick a player who can create chances for dribbling the ball, moving the ball forward or passing it into like dangerous areas. And for me, I see a lot of kind of one or the other in the England squad. You see your players who love to carry the ball and love to pass it. You don't see maybe that 
deadly, such a deadly mixture of both. And I don't know why Grealish probably wasn't in consideration in the first place. But look, joining as a replacement, I fail to see how that would throw him into any starting contention. Yeah. Unless he does us in training, as we know he can do. But then again, he's against all these literally world-class players uh, in that England squad who have, who have proven themselves in that squad for years. For years, in some instances, under Southgate. So it's you know, again, it's a, just to start of the job. But I feel like 10, 15 minutes here and there, maybe uh, a second half in the in the second game. Who knows? I don't think it's going to be a lot of minutes at all, though. Unfortunately, can I yeah. um, can I just apologise to Patrick for my slightly over <laughs> reaction to his very valid point about it being a very decent situation to go, Barry? Full disclosure: I'm hungry. I've only had a packet of French fries and. <laughs> Some porridge for me breakfast. So, Patrick, so you, mate. I know exactly, exactly. Mm. All right, Patrick, it's not you, it's me, mate. I'm sorry about that. Um, just to count on the point you've said there, James, about him competing with world cup class players and him kind of having to dazzle in training to, to get any minutes. Jack himself is a world class player, isn't he? I said yeah. in, the, in the last episode that we did that not only should he be in that squad, I think, and this this maybe is the, the, hint, the hint of claret and blue bias. I think he's good enough to start for England over some of the midfield options that we've got in there anyway. So he's not going to go from not even being in the squad to start in that first game, yeah. obviously. Probably not even start in the second game, but he's definitely good enough to play for England and, and do well. So it shouldn't be a case of having to prove himself against other players in the squad because he's done that anyway in the Premier League. Yeah. I think a counterpoint that we had in the last episode about, we kept saying about, you know, does this mean that he has to play for a bigger club or a, a better club in the Premier League to get into the England squad. And somebody said, well, moving up to a different league or moving to a different country, yeah, that's different because then you're competing against different players. But Jack Grealish is competing at the same level of English football in the Premier League against those 19 other teams, whether he plays for Man United or Villa, doesn't he? So that shouldn't matter anyway. So the fact that he's now in there, it's his time to shine. We hope he, he plays and does well and other people start taking notice of, of what kind of player Jack Grealish is and we can get away from all these comments that oh he's overrated all he does is dive he spends all the time on the floor no wonder he didn't get in the squad that's just lazy isn't it it's all kind of I guess it's just the hysteria isn't it the international circus that you kind of forget exists when you're covering local stuff right but all you have to do is go back to that Graham Taylor uh, documentary and to see kind of the hysteria that it just the England team existing creates over players and managers so yeah I don't, like I'm not saying that he must you know suddenly have to step up a level and impress it because we know he's at the level. The problem is other people who are making the decisions probably don't know or, or have a, something against him because, look, he had to wait for a kind of an odd situation to even enter the squad as, like, not even the first-choice backup because they had a Cody and a Maitland-Niles. I know it's different positions, but, you know, you're looking at the last, almost the last-chance saloon immediately because that, what, the third replacement, the third-choice replacement to come into the squad. So there's a lot working against him in the immediate in the immediacy but like do you, all that all it takes to turn that over is one good training session I hope yeah and I actually think that, that playing or competing alongside be- better players in training will play into his hands you know and this is not meant to be disrespectful to his teammates at Aston Villa because they are what they are a kind of new a new evolving set of Premier League players but you know and I have to hark back Several years, to be honest, when when Villa were, you know, it, it's probably the, the game that made Jack's name, isn't it? The semi final against um, against Liverpool at Wembley, but we've seen what he could do, and I'm not saying that 
<laughs> people probably laugh now when I'm saying better players, but you've got Benteke and Cleverly and Dolph, who back then were 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 a good level of, of Premier League player. And you know, Jack 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 not doesn't have to be the main man, is what I'm saying. You know, he, hmm. he has carried that team. But I think he can also play the role of team player. And I think it'd be interesting to see what he can do alongside players who, with respect to Aston Villa, are most of them at a higher level than, than, than how, where his teammates are operating now. Uh, Matt, do you want to give a plug for our Grealish documentary podcast that we did? And I'll play a little clip of it. Just, just might as well capitalise on the, on the news. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we recorded this back in October, November time, thinking it was probably going to get called up then. But, you know... <laughs> yeah. But a bit of foresight doesn't doesn't hurt. But we we went to see Jack's former academy coach Brian Jones. Uh, we went to see his former head teacher. What's his surname? Mr. Chris uh, Bentley. Mr. Chris Bentley. We just referred to him as Sir because we're respectful like that. And we put our hands up before we spoke to him. Uh, so he's his primary school teacher to get a flavour of the very young Jack. Um, and also Lee Curtis, who's one of our colleagues who works for Nottinghamshire Live and the Nottingham Post, who, who managed to witness Jack kind of go out and the making of Jack uh, at Notts County on loan as, as a teenage kid. So just told the, told the backstory, didn't we? The origin story, I think we titled it, of, of Jack Grealish. That's well worth um, well worth people checking out and, and catching up on, I think, if you've got a spare 45 minutes, hour? Yeah, something like that, 45 minutes. I'm going to play a quick minute clip here and then we'll come back after that and I'm going to quiz you on transfers, James. So get your transfer hat on. With his performances and the goals he's scored and how he handles himself on the pitch, um, that you know, he is a leader. Um, and at 24, you have to say that's that's quite a remarkable thing because you wouldn't expect a 24-year-old to captain a club as big as Aston Villa. But you know he fully fully deserves it. You look at it and you think, well, I'm 24. I've captain my home. I'm now captain of, of the club I support. So immediately you think, right, I've got to be on it every week. Got to be on it every week. And and clearly, <laughs> clearly he is. You know he's been he's absolutely he's been absolutely terrific this year. Uh, I'd like to think that he'll be part of the next English. World Cup team, you know, you need that bit of luck to sing, but I'd like to see him figuring as a regular in the England team, um, you know, reaching the latter stages of the World Cup. I, I see that as, it's not a given because, you know, anything can happen, but um, I certainly, that would be my ambition for him. And also to hopefully stay at the club that he loves so much and where he can have continued success there, really. His aim is to get in the England side and just prove to everyone that he is one of the best players in the country at this moment in time. Stay in touch with him, have you heard from him? No, very disappointed. If he's watching this, I shall expect a call. He's got his own personal telling off now. He's <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, he owes me a fortune telling. <laughs> You'd be surprised to learn that I prepared that clip last week, hoping he'd get in the, in the squad then, and we didn't even get to use it, so I'm glad we finally got to get that clip out there. Brilliant. Especially made edit of his England comments. Okay, we'll move on very quickly. Five or ten minutes or so of uh, any questions that people have got. The biggest question from Danny Barker. Any signings? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Shocked face emoji. James, have we signed anybody? No, we haven't. Until, that, point, until that club statement hits, uh, drops that Villa have not. So it has to be both sides as well because I'm sure there's been uh, instances where a club statement has dropped one side and the player hasn't chosen the, the move. But I think uh, Brentford were waiting on two replacements to replace, obviously, Saeed Benrahma. 
and uh, Ollie Watkins, they've now got one in Eve Antonio. So it looks like Watkins is now free to complete the movie's choice. Whether that's Villa, we'll see. I'm sure it will emerge later this week. Of a, of a, a departure from Brentford, we'll have to see because uh, I don't think you can say Crystal Clear he's cut, cut out for Villa because that has been said uh, with a player in a similar fashion, Joe Bryan, um, who was cut Crystal Clear to, fear and, uh, to Villa and uh, ended up going down uh, the motorway and uh, joining Fulham. So we'll see. Um, plenty of clubs in for him. It was kind of uh, rumoured that Villa would make uh, seventy uh, offer him seventy thousand pounds a week in wages. We'll see where that lands. I don't know if there's any comparison with an offer Crystal Palace or Fulham may make or even Brighton. But I feel like I can't see him not being a Villa player. If I could put that out there, I don't. I can't imagine him signing for another club. I feel like uh, Villa have put it out there that they want him. We'll see. They've got the replacement in now. Sorry, Ben Rama. Uh, on the other hand, probably dying out a bit on the, the rumour mill. They're looking at Brentford looking at Robin Hack uh, to get that replacement in. So I don't think you'll see Ben Rama move until they get that move in. And I don't think it will be Villa. Um, the other move, Matty Cash uh, from Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I uh, forgot about that. The big one, yeah, that was a, a big one that kind of dropped it in because he had the bid rejected. Then suddenly it comes in at uh, Villa preparing a new bid to kind of get closer to that 15 million. It's kind of an odd negotiation, isn't it, right? Give him, 12, uh, give him 10, get rejected. Give him 12, it's accepted almost. We'll see. I think this week's going to be a big week for Villa, though. Um, what does that mean, preparing a bid? You see these lines, don't you? All the same, they're ready to approach. They're they're preparing this actually in these days. You mean stocking up the photocopy with toner and uh, (laughs) and paper? I think and the the fact machine. Sorry, have conversations somewhere. Is there such thing as preparing the bid and those buzzwords that you see in a transfer window? Yeah, I feel like journalistic speak, isn't it? Like dramatic U-turn and stuff like that. Um. I feel like it's probably a consequence of the more the you know information is more available than ever before on transfers. I think a lot of people who aren't even involved in the industry can find of dig things out and uh and here. So I think preparing a bit is probably a consequence of we're more involved and more knowledgeable of these processes than ever before and we're getting more information than ever before even though maybe the club isn't you know so keen on giving that information people can find it out people can find little things out so i feel like preparing a bid is just one of these new stages that have uh, emerged into kind of like the the timeline of a transfer so i guess it's it's better than not knowing but it's also annoying uh kieran asks matt i've had that hide that jacket when i was 14 have you had it for about 20 years kieran i have had this jacket for about what are we now i reckon i've had it longer than that i reckon i've had it about 25 years wow um, and the fact that it still fits me shows what a fine finely tuned <laughs> I am. or it shows what a fat young man i was you know let you, let you decide i've seen old pictures of you you weren't fat were you maybe it was just baggy because baggy was the fashion wasn't it back then baggy jackets baggy trousers mate yeah um, <laughs> gonna start me moving around the room like i'm singing to madness now um yeah it's just listen I, I, what can i say i'm a married man with two young children i can't afford to buy these fancy new cap kazoo things i have to dine out somewhere. well <laughs> it's like banjo kazooie like some nintendo 64 game drop in there <laughs> You're just jealous, mate. You haven't got the, the fresh threads that me and James have got. Fine. See, I didn't know I was going to come on here to be abused. <laughs> um, Kimmy L says, here's an exclusive, I've heard we've approached Tammy. We don't know where that comes from. Um, is there any, any, any truth in that, James? <laughs> is, is Kimmy uh, exclusive there? 
pretty hefty update dropped by Tammy that he probably wouldn't consider a move away from Chelsea this year, which is fair enough. He's in a position to compete and keep that uh, starting role. I mean, it's going to be harder this year, season, uh, this upcoming season, than it was last season. But look, he's a good. We all know he's a good player, so I feel like he deserves that shot at least. Um, again, I always thought it'd be probably unrealistic to sign. Uh, Tammy Abraham this year, just because the um, the price for him might be just so much of a Villa's transfer budget. If you're looking uh, again, I think we had a discussion, didn't we, uh, in the uh, in our transfer uh, roundup, and we said 30 million even to get in the door, and then it's going to rise and it only goes up from there, doesn't it? So I yeah. feel like a massive chunk this season. We'll see next season, but again, I'll just drop that one now. Um, one thing, Dan, one on. thing on transfers that I think it's worth people um, people remembering. I'm, I'm not trying to. Um, Whistle Villa's tune here, but although today is August the 31st, it's not deadline day, just in case yeah. anybody was wondering. We got till October, so I know the season kicks off very soon and you want to start the season with your best squad available. But equally, I'd like to think we've got a Villa regime now um, with the CEO, with the new sporting director, with the new sporting director's assistant, with Dean Smith in charge, where signings, you know, I don't think Villa should be making quick signings just to satisfy a clamour for fans who are growing impatient. We've seen what happens when you, you sign players at speed uh, and then you've got a lot, a lot, you know, two or three years of three or four years of players seeing out contracts. You know, it's, it's more important for me that even if a lot of the business goes down to the wire, that Villa are, are being shrewd. They're not paying over the odds. They're not... Yeah handing out contracts that are longer than players deserve. Uh, so as frustrating as it is, and it is frustrating because we know that that Villa squad needs surgery because we know that it's not good enough to consolidate comfortably as it currently is. I just think we've got to try and trust trust the um, trust the transfer chiefs to, to know what they're doing. And then when, they're the, when they don't, we can batter them in the <laughs> November, December, January podcasts. Oh, this also, is a season before as well, right? This is uh, the short turnaround, the pandemic going on, the impact on business, so all the overhaul clubs have had. Look, you've got a, uh, I believe the EFL deadline shuts after the Premier League deadline as well. So there's so much kind of that almost politics to consider in moves. So it's like a window. I think everyone's expecting it to be like a traditional window and it's like, it's not, it's so far removed from any expectations. And I think the evidence that we see of all the moves so far and everything going on, all, even all the links and rumours and what people want, is that we should uh, like apply that little bit of rational thinking to it to say, this isn't normal, is it? We can't apply all those expectations we had because it isn't normal. I think also if you consider how much goes into one transfer deal and you're trying <laughs> to sign four or five different players at once in a, in a condensed period of two or three weeks uh, between you know from now until the end of the window... It does take a lot of effort, doesn't it? You can't just think, oh, we're, we're looking at this striker, so why hasn't that progressed yet? What, what does that mean? I saw people on Twitter saying uh, when we were linked with cash over the weekend, like, oh, right back's not a, not a priority. Are they not interested in the striker? So, yeah, of course, just because you've signed a right back, and if, if a right back comes to the door first, doesn't mean anything, does it? Some some transfers progress quicker than others. It might be easier for Villa and Nottingham Forest to negotiate a deal more so you know, for 12 million. More so than it is for Villa and Celtic to negotiate a forty million deal for Fredward or Rashista or whoever it is. So just because someone comes through the door first doesn't mean that they were the number one target. It's just they just happened to get over the line first. Can I put something in front of you? Can you imagine if your parents 
What would your parents be like if you treated the receiving of Christmas presents the way that football fans on social media receive transfers? It would be like, you know, no sooner had you unwrapped your Millennium Falcon or you, <laughs> you missed the P doll, I'm going back a bit, or next, all right, got to throw the door, next, what's next, what's next? And you just think, Jesus Christ, just, I know we haven't got any yet. <laughs> waiting for the tree to be decorated and the presents to be put underneath it's just this kind of bang 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 philosophy you're thinking well football clubs don't operate in the way that you can operate on football managers so just just have trust just have trust also just all the the rumours and stuff I saw a comment from somebody saying that you know occasionally people uh, you know I'm talking about you know normal people things that you see on Twitter and Facebook pop up you know I've heard this so and so works at the club shop and they've told me this occasionally yes someone will have a, a bit of information that will be correct because they are a friend of the family or whatever it is or they you know work in a certain industry where that, they get that little snippet of information but these people kind of I don't know yeah, it's like that. It's like if someone, if someone leads with a rumor, I know every transfer deal that Villa are doing, and they're, they're oh, this move's fallen apart. I've seen this happen. I've seen that. No one out there, apart from people that are involved last year, know everything that Villa are doing. So people just need to calm down on social media a little bit. Occasionally, yes, someone will, will call something and it'd be right. But following people who, who profess to say, yes, I know everything that's going on, is is ridiculous in this day and age now. Yeah, I think it's a big red flag for me. When you're like looking through all kind of all the rubbish you have to kind of look through and um, all, all the information, all the massive information you have to digest about transfers, it's a big red flag to me. Um, if someone who kind of isn't in the industry claims to have seen uh, image rights, wage package, contract length, and a transfer fee, because those are unrelated bits of information that are very sensitive, and even you think about the amount of information that has ever been leaked about deals. There's probably, it's probably one big book that exists called football leaks, which I'm reading now. And even then that's only got a few contracts in. So the, you're talking about, if you're talking about the Jack Grealish thing, you're talking about, and I don't dismiss anyone who has information or has found or heard something. Cause I've got every right to share that. I think we just have to be sensible with what we're presented. And if you're presented with you know, all this sensitive information that someone's told him not to tell, and is that's been willy nearly shared everywhere. You know, that's a massive red flag for me. If some, all those sensitive details are not on a report or somewhere from a trusted place. I can just see someone, crawl, you know, someone dressed all in black with a black rolling sweater, claw, climbing through the roof space of Bodymore Heath. <laughs> just kind of sneaking in and looking in the shredder and stuff like that and gluing it all back together and stuff like that. The level of detail that somebody in the nose that purport to have is, is remarkable. But... It's a tension thing, isn't it? You know, people like to be people like to be be in the know, um, and that versus the absolute desperate clamour for information makes yeah. for a dangerous dangerous recipe, doesn't it? At times, mm. yeah. It's uh, I think you tweeted over the weekend, James, about it being in the know culture. I think it's probably the word. And I just said, just stop looking at your phone. <laughs> just don't, yeah. Don't, you can see all these things pop up on Twitter and Facebook. That doesn't mean you've got to you know, ingest it all and take it all in. Dan, it's not the best advice for brand that if people could occasionally look at their phones, please. Yeah. <laughs> if you could just stay glued to our podcast and ignore everything else, that would be wonderful. But I think what you, what we've got to remember is Twitter, the way it works, and it's just a constant stream of information beamed at you that like a critical kind of thought like you used to have teletext right and you used to be presented with a crap rumor you'd have to go and deal with that like you would have no way of like dismissing it or thinking but you'd have to stew with a crap rumor for days 
like that's it that's all you had you couldn't go anywhere or you have to speak to your mates about it i think twitter has made it a lot easier for good information to be shared it's also made it a lot easier for good information to be kind of ripped apart or torn apart or not even considered in a in a good way it's instant and it's over it's like a microwave meal isn't it it's over. there's no sustenance from it there's no nutrition it's just information it was one of those in the nose I don't set a premium rate club call phone line, <laughs> and people would have to, chat, have to um, pay three quid a time to find <laughs> out that you know Matty Cash was spotted in a petrol station on the outskirts of Tamworth. Maybe we should start people to watch tune into the podcast, and we can just make stuff up. It's bad enough, man. I mean, it's hard. It's an hard enough job for, for people to have to put up with this for free, to be honest. So. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think that's uh, enough for today. James, is there anything else to report on? You're always one. I mean, after all. He's had got week off. He's got the week off? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. I thought it was just one day. Yeah, it's a Emiliano <laughs> Martinez deal that kind of jumped up and then he performed well and asked it's like Maitland Niles and Wolves they had a player in in the sites there's a deal being lined up and he does well in the community shield and then there's a new contract offer coming in uh, it's just the churn uh, we're going to progress steadily through the season uh, through the first part of the season into this October transfer window and it's, it's going to be mayhem until then but I think I don't know I don't want to put my neck on the line but I feel like yeah, it could be a sign in this week. I feel like this has got to be after all the Watkins stuff that's come out. You heard it here first. <laughs> that could be a sign in this week or next week. It could after there's a lot might of back covering there. Yeah, it so, might not be Braston Villa, but yeah, <laughs> someone somewhere will sign a player. That is confirmed. Yeah. Um, I think we'll we'll call it a day there. I've been watching the Tottenham Hotspur All or Nothing documentary. I've watched one episode. It's very good. I want to go back to it because it is my day off. But here I am, Matt, working for you on my day off. So can I can I go now? Is that enough? Yeah, put in an email, mate. We'll give you the time back. <laughs> we'll That's give you the time back on deadline day when there'll be nothing happening. <laughs> Do you remember the January deadline day when we did this massive work day? I don't think you were with us then, James, but we did this massive day. I was day. with you. I was covering oh, yeah. Stoke, bro. Stoke, yeah. <laughs> the great day. Great day. Um, yeah, hopefully this year's one will be more exciting. But yes, let, let's get out of here. Thanks everyone for joining us this afternoon. Uh, we can't wait to see Jack Grealish in an English shirt banging in goals because that'll definitely happen. And hopefully, like James has exclusively revealed, we'll all be seeing someone holding up the Villa shirt soon at the end of the week. My <laughs> <laughs> name's going to be mud. Is it already mud? Uh, I, just like, I just like encouraging it. Uh, thanks, James, for joining me. Also on your day off, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Not on your day off, but thanks anyway. And uh, we'll be back again when something happens. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.